A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Black Sheep's back for a new season, with William Ray telling more stories about colourful and controversial characters from New Zealand history. In the next few weeks, there's going to be a rogues gallery of Japanese spies, con artists and an alleged pirate with a great name, Bully Hayes. This is summer part one and a warning, the podcast does contain some graphic content that might not be suitable for younger listeners. So this story, like all good stories in 2018, starts on Twitter. Last year, I put out a tweet asking people if they had any good ideas for black sheep characters to look into, and someone sent back a tweet with a name I hadn't heard before. Horatio Gordon Robley. So I typed it into Google, and then this photo popped up. I think it's the most disturbing image I've ever come across while working on the show, and I wanted to know what other people in the office thought about it. Test, test, test. I'm in the prod studio. Jamie here. How are we looking? Cool. All right. So, Jamie, I'm about to show you a photo. I need you to look at this photo and then give me your reaction to it. So I'll put it down on the table here. Jesus Christ. If you want to see this photo, feel free to Google it. I'm not going to post it anywhere myself because many people find photos of human remains offensive. I will describe it for you, though, because this photo is kind of the whole reason we're telling this story. Um, are they preserved heads? Yep, those are preserved heads. More than 30 preserved human heads. Māori heads? Yeah. Lined up on a wall? Lined up on a wall. Horatio Robley is sitting in front of this wall. He's wearing a fancy suit, gold fob watch on a chain, giant waxed moustache, classic Victorian gentleman look. Really hard to just see a white guy sitting there with all these Māori heads on a wall behind him. In one hand, Robley's holding a Māori club, a mere. You know, like a taonga for Māori, and he's holding it and he's got all these heads and some of them are just sitting on the seat or the thing that he's sitting on, like next to his kumu, it's really... Affronting. These preserved heads, the mokomokai, to give the Māori word, are pretty hard to look at. Some are well preserved, you can still see their facial tattoos, the face is still recognisable, hair's dressed, there's feathers in the hair. Others are more skull-like, lips are drawn back from the teeth, their hair's fallen out. I mean, it's horrific. Could you imagine, could you imagine confronting that, you know, in, in, as, a, as a normal human being? What might be most disturbing is a couple of these heads look like they probably belong to children. One looks like it could be a baby's head. I I can't imagine how anybody could collect the heads of human beings as artwork or otherwise. It's just, it's, it's inconceivable. You'll find this image all over the internet, usually on those slightly clickbaity websites full of weird or gruesome photos. But those websites usually don't explain how Horatio Robley collected these heads, whose heads they were, 
or maybe most importantly, why he collected them. Often it's just left to your imagination. Something's not right there, is he? Like, um, it's a screw loose or a... Yeah. It's pretty confronting, isn't it? It's very confronting. (laughs) Fairly often you'll see people suggesting Rob Lee collected these heads in New Zealand while he was an officer in the British Army fighting against Māori and Tauranga in the 1860s. Some have even suggested he decapitated these people himself. It would be a simple matter for Rob Lee to sever the desired heads with his sabre and pay some Māori expert in the field, friendly to Europeans, to preserve them. That's from a newspaper feature written on Horatio Robley in the 1980s. To put it mildly, he's a man with a grim reputation. When you were younger, he was uh, described as a sort of a macabre predator of, of culture. But there's a twist in the story. Over time, as we've got to know him more and understand his motivation better, uh, we see now that I think he was, um, really became a bit of a friend of the Māori. This is Hami Pirapi. He's a senior member of the Mokomokai repatriation team at Te Papa Museum, which works to bring preserved Māori heads back from overseas to Aotearoa, New Zealand. And yeah, you heard him right. He says this guy, Horatio Robley, was a friend to Māori. Horatio Robley's a complicated guy. He's a soldier who took part in the most famous battle of New Zealand history, a man who had a child with the daughter of a sworn enemy, an artist whose paintings helped end a war, and an author whose book saved a treasured Māori art form from the brink of annihilation. And yet all most people will know about him as he's some weird old dude with a big moustache and a fancy suit who collected Māori heads. That image more than any other, that's been the, the image people have of them. And I think what we see generally is people's projections of their own sense of what was going on onto the image. This is Tim Walker. He's a former senior curator at Te Papa who wrote his thesis on Horatio Robley. It's going to take us a while to get through that life story, so let's start at the beginning. Robley's born in Madeira, a set of small islands just off the coast of Portugal. It's 1840, just a few months after the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi in New Zealand. There were British parents on both sides. His mother was part of a port company, you know, like Madeira Port, um, and his father was a retired um, captain from the British Indian Army. So a pretty typical upper-class British family. And when Robley's still pretty young, the family relocate to Britain, where he and his two sisters are homeschooled by their mother. Who was a well-known and published botanical artist in Madeira. She taught them art. Um, they had a, a, a private tutor, and Robley was taught by his father um, around shooting and boating. Both Robley's father and grandfather had served as officers in the West Indies, and he continues the trend. By age 18, he's a promising young officer with the 68th Durham Light Infantry, sailing for the British colony of Burma, these days also known as Myanmar. And yeah, went out to Burma. Um, Burma was, wasn't in a state of active warfare, it was like they were an occupying force. But this is the first place where we start to see there's something unusual about Horatio Robley, something which doesn't quite fit the mould of a stereotypical young Victorian military officer. 
Whereas most of his colleagues were outside of military duties, like parade and so forth, they were playing cricket and having organising horse races and chasing tigers and things. Robley spent a great deal of his time with the Buddhist monks in the local monastery, effectively bartering for um, the monks to sit for him to allow a portrait to be taken. Horatio Robley, just like his mother, loved art. He was extremely talented at sketching and painting watercolours. I'm going to refer a lot to his artwork later on, and if you want to see it, there's a gallery up on our website. Rest assured, there's no human heads there. Anyway, to convince these Burmese monks to sit for portraits, Robley has to offer up something in return. And he was bartering by um, actually submitting himself to the marks of of their, their tattooists. Over the next few years, Horatio Robley's arms and chest are completely covered in ink by these monks. You might think that's pretty weird for the time period, but there was actually a bit of a fashion craze for tattooing in Victorian high society. What is unusual is how this tattooing and Robley's painting builds genuine friendships. Quite a strong bond develops between him and the indigenous people he leaves with a, a Burmese signature. Um, he leaves with multiple tattoos down his arms and he leaves with a great deal of affection um, for, you know, on the part of those the, the Burmese monks. After six relatively peaceful years, the 68th Regiment's preparing to return to Britain. But at the last minute, the plan changes. While Robley's regiment was chilling out in Burma, war had broken out in New Zealand. British forces marched down the Great South Road from Auckland, invading the homeland of Waikato Māori. If you want to hear more about that war, then go back and take a listen to our episode about Thomas Russell. The super short version is that the governor of New Zealand, George Grey, wanted to crush the Māori King movement, and a lot of rich, powerful people in Auckland wanted to get hold of Māori land. Thousands of British soldiers sail for New Zealand, and one of them is Lieutenant Horatio Robley. He didn't know anything about New Zealand. They were fundamentally sent on here from Burma with no real kind of warning. Um, He gets to New Zealand um, in January 1864. He's the ensign carrier. He's a lieutenant by this stage. He's an ensign bearer for the regiment, leads the regiment up Queen Street to Albert Barracks. Robley's unit must have been quite a sight as they marched up Queen Street. Aside from all the usual parade gear, the Durham Light Infantry have a mascot, a fully grown Burmese black bear. As soon as he's, um, they've settled into their um, tents, Robley goes into a bookshop in Shortland Street and buys two books by um, Judge Manning um, and also a Māori dictionary. Judge Manning's books were a sort of autobiography of his life as an early European settler living alongside Māori in Northland and becoming deeply embedded in Māori culture. The fact Robley bought this particular book when he arrived in New Zealand is very interesting. I think it shows that sense of intent, a sense that this is what he's going to engage in while he's here. And he wants to learn more about the... About Indigenous Māori. people, yeah. 
Some of Headhunter, the story of Horatio Robley from Black Sheep, produced and presented by William Ray for RNZ. Episode 2 and the rest of the Horatio Robley story will be out next week and you can find the whole episode online now at rnz.co.nz. New ones will be released each week for the next six weeks and you can listen to it on Jesse Mulligan's afternoon show 2pm on Mondays or you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're new to Black Sheep, I asked William to recommend some of his favourite episodes and the podcasts he really likes listening to you can find all the details of that now at rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour.